Well, good morning, everyone. It's uh, an exciting time to be able to come and, and share a little bit <clears throat> excuse me, of our escapades in, in Kenya and the great time with the Omaats and just coming around them. You know, we all miss them, and they miss us, and it was just good to get together. And uh, we were able to fill their tank again while they were while we were there and just uh, really encouraged them, and we had a lot of great times together. So I'm um, going to just walk through a few things here, um, show you, like, where we were at. So over on the far right is Africa, and Kenya is right down in there, and then kind of the yellow one there, and which is here, kind of the brown one there. So we, um, we landed in Nairobi first, and then up here is Marsabet, where the Omats are at. And that's about, about a nine-hour drive from Nairobi. So you'll see how we got there right away here. <clears throat> okay, we took off on October 31st at um, Tuesday morning, and Jonathan Sander was so kind to drive the Kelvin Cruiser and bring us to Sioux Falls to um, get on the plane there. So uh, we flew then from Sioux Falls to... Uh, Chicago, and there we met up with Roberta. Whoops. Okay. No. Okay. Okay. Roberta right here, who used to go to Grace, and, and she was with some of us in um, a small group with the Omats, and she got along so good with her kids, too, and and she had to come, and they wanted her to come to be a part of the trip. So um, she is now uh, working up in the city, so she flew to Chicago and we met up there. We had like an eight-hour layover there, so we had some time to connect. And one of the things we did was uh, take some time to process uh, things like from the, the trauma training that we had here last September and how to just relate to people, to listen and everything. And, and we wanted to go through that just to be more prepared to um, that we could do that when we saw the people when we got to um, Kenya. And so then uh, from Chicago, we flew to Doha, Qatar, and that was about a 12-hour flight. And then uh, quickly got on the plane to Nairobi, which is another five and a half. So we flew about 20 hours, and with the layovers, it was about 30 or 32 hours processed from the time we left here to to get to Nairobi. So, and it was like um, after midnight, like one or so, and they had a van there for us that was lined up uh, to take us to Biblica, which is a, a Bible conference center, and they have housing there. So we stayed there actually a couple of days in Kenya, just to show you, this is, one thing that's common in Nairobi is most beds have mosquito netting. Okay? Got to keep those mosquitoes away and with, don't want malaria. So that's a big thing that can happen over there. So every bed we slept in while we were in um, Kenya had various versions of, of a netting around. So <clears throat> uh, let's see. Um, we were in uh, in biblically in Nairobi about two days. We just wanted a little time to rest after the long flight, plus uh, buy some supplies that the Omats needed and um, and we took with us. And then uh, on what Saturday morning I think it was we hopped on this uh, mission aviation fellowship plane that flew us up to to uh, Marsabet, so we didn't have to drive the nine hours going up. So, And that was nice. We really saw God working in that because for several days before, it had been so cloudy up at Marsabet at the landing strip there that they were afraid we may not be able to, to make the flight. But um, God intervened and, and cleared it up and uh, had nice uh, skies driving up there. And a couple hours after we got there, the clouds moved back in. So... Uh, God is good. And this is what we saw when we landed. 
and there's a hard to see, but that's the Omad family and the vehicles ready for us and to meet us. So that was our first sighting of them. So that was really special to see them all. And then we hopped in a vehicle and went to their house. And this is an idea of what some of the streets are like in Marsabet. Okay. This is not country roads. This is the streets among some of the houses and everything. So uh, and that's a challenge um, they put up with a lot over there every day. And we just went, I know, several different streets like that. And, well, one was the water was running right down the center, and it was high sides, and we were just kind of straddling, um, you know, what the rain, because it was pretty wet over there. So uh, then we come. Most of the houses there are surrounded with walls, and they have a double iron gate there, and a lot of them hire a, a watchman to wa- watch their place, which the Omas do. They have somebody there to um, be there all the time. It's just really concerned about a lot of vandalism and stuff. So, and they have one all day for 12 hours, and then another one stays there at night for 12 hours. And they're right there to open the gates as soon as we uh, would drive up there all the time and, and let us into the house. So here's Hassan, was the, the daytime guard, and he's opening the gates for us. And it was fun working with him. I did some projects with him, um, uh, making a few repairs, and it was just nice having him around, and he works good with the kids there too. And this is a picture of their house where they all might stay, that they are renting. It was a government lady who built this, I think, and then she moved on to somewhere else um, to work, and then uh, they got to rent this. So it's, they're very fortunate to have a nice place uh, to stay there. So, And you guys all hop in if you got anything to share. Okay, then we sat on, on their porch outside there and visited after we got there. Um, just You can see all... all um, the greenery around there and everything. There's this, the, the daytime guard is a gardener and he just has all kinds of things going all around there. And they even have almost like small plots where they have corn and beans planted in both together, the edible beans and white corn for them for food too. Okay, and Janet has something to share. So the Omad kids have such a love for books and reading, and their parents have done an amazing job. And so we were playing with them in this guest bedroom, and they wanted to read a Bible story to us. So here they are reading this Bible story. And I have to tell you, Mark and I had visited with Karen and Friday and wanted to encourage them. These kids are so impressive. They know their Bible stories like no other. And I couldn't help but think of um, Psalm 119 where God says to hide his word in our hearts. And so they have done an excellent job of hiding God's word in their kid's heart. They know it well and they just love it so much. So it was just a real encouragement. Karen took us to the market and we went there, oh, probably three or four different times. And... um, This is quite an experience. These shops are pretty amazing. We've not seen anything like it. And it it rained. I don't remember. It was the first day we went there. So you'd kind of get under the eaves a little bit and and try to get out of the rain. But um, she took us there. And then um, all of us got fabric. And they made dresses, which took them, oh, I suppose an hour, hour and a half. Some of the machines, a lot of them were just treadle sewing machines. Some were electric but it was just really fun to see all the beautiful fabric. And um, this, is, this is their livelihood. So it was, it was quite an experience to go there and see what that was like. Okay. And here you see the gals with their dresses after they were made. And this, um, the sewing ladies really don't make hardly anything. I think she maybe charged me 33 cents. To sew my dress, it's really crazy. I gave her a nice tip. So. <laughs> but it's really, it was really special to bless them, too. Uh, 
uh, one of the things we did there in Marsabet was got to visit the Bible school where Friday teachers. And um, this was really moving for me because I didn't quite understand what the Bible school was like. I just thought it was a bunch of kids came in and they were teaching the Bible. But they are training adults from congregations all around to to be leaders in their own church, um, be pastors, uh, worship leaders. And so they have a whole curriculum they do, um, just learning the Bible a lot. So uh, it gave me a, uh, a bigger appreciation for what's being done over there and, and the desire of others to, to spread the word in their congregation. So um, they just sent us a video this morning, and they almost did that. Oh, well, one the, I think I'll wait with that until we talk about the graduation. But anyway, uh, it was just moving to me to, to see what they're doing and, and see what they're studying. So uh, let's see. We'll go on here. We're getting a lot of wind here. Is that normal? Yeah. Can you turn that down a little bit, please? Thank you. <laughs> um, so, do you have a, the other picture of them sitting there previous to that? Yeah. So, the, um, the, four, uh, the four graduates here, we had uh, Julius on the right and Daniel, and then Jane and James on the left. And um, it's... <clears throat> The foot washing ceremony was something that was never planned, uh, and this all started with um, Friday sent a, a message to us and asked, "Would anyone be willing to speak at the graduation ceremony?" Because we were um, privileged to be a part of that. And Mark graciously uh, and Janet said, had a little bit to share as well, but Mark graciously offered to share that message, and then Mark really felt the spirit moving on upon him to do a foot washing ceremony. And, and I really, I, I was just humbled to be a part of that. Um, you know, Jesus gives us that example in scripture and, um, just to be able to, um, be there to, I washed James feet on the left and prayed over him, uh, while I was doing that. And then after that, and, you really, I, I, I think everybody else had a, had their, their people had, were wearing socks and shoes, if I'm not mistaken, but the gentleman I had was wearing sandals like um, the disciples would have worn. And there was a lot of dirt and mud that I had to scrub off. And it just, it made it so real and pers- personal. And I can only imagine Jesus kneeling down before his disciples and washing the dirt and the other stuff that Scott has talked about from his disciples' feet and being able to pray for him. I'm just thankful I didn't have to go to the cross afterwards. (laughs) He did that for us. And uh, it was a very moving moment. Well, I think, too, for us as Caucasians coming to them and in countries where the Caucasians tend to rule it over the the other um, groups, I think for them that was just beyond amazement. I mean, the people clustered around and just were at awe. And we felt like, you know, for us it was something that, that we could serve and show that we don't want to lord it over you as individuals and that you are valuable in the service that you are learning to reach out to the other peoples of this of this country
the school is truly making disciples who make disciples, you know, and to go out and preach to all nations. And I thought this, this reference in John 13, um, right, when the Lord had washed the disciples' feet, if then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Jesus was the perfect example. So that last picture is just all of us with the graduates yeah. celebrating. And they decorated all their graduates. Yeah. We actually were in a grocery store in Nairobi, and there was rows and rows of, like, what we would put on the Christmas tree back in the 80s, like the garland, <laughs> the sparkly garland. We found out what that was for. <laughs> Do you see around their necks? So they, I don't know, um, exactly what that was all about but it was kind of a neat way that they celebrated the graduates their families brought the garland and put it around around their necks to celebrate this picture shows where the inconveniences of everyday life is what it brought out to me and how difficult it is to live in a country where electricity's on, electricity's off more than it's on. Water is not easily accessible. It comes in, there's, there's tanks outside. It all works on gravity. In this picture, it just shows in the, in the bathroom itself, you, in the top of the picture is the shower head. So when you take a shower, the whole bathroom is showered, not just an area that's enclosed like we're used to. And... In this case, it was a little bit of a shocking experience because there was a short in when you turned it on, as Roberta found out. <laughs> but, you know, to, to everyday life, I mean, to be able to wash your dishes, you have to heat water. To be able to do anything and, and to think about keeping things clean. I mean, you're in a home where dust prior to us being there it was it, it hadn't rained for years and you know dust settling everywhere and just being able to, to navigate those daily activities with with small children and you have electricity okay so it turns on at 10 o'clock at night now I need to go into kind of overdrive mode and, and do laundry and whatever other things that electricity is required for and we all have that happen. Electricity goes out, big deal. But this was day-to-day -day life. And then as we went back to where we stayed in the compound, for us to navigate not being in a, air, in a place we knew, and with that water, too, you don't want to drink that water. You don't want to brush your teeth with that water. Um, we all became quite familiar with the bathroom during this process. <laughs> But um, thankfully, no one had long-term illnesses during that time either. And there's another picture, isn't there? Yeah, okay. This is the tank that holds the water, or that they pump the water up into to be our water tower. And then they would collect water as best they could when it did rain. I think there were ways that you could purchase water in town at a well. But they typically, you know, relied on nature's um, natural process of giving them water. But again, when electricity came on, okay, you better turn the pump on so you can fill this tank so that you can just have water to work for the bathroom or to be able to wash your dishes or to do whatever you needed to. And you can see some laundry was done. I know one night, <clears throat> I think we started, I think the washing machine was started where we were and then the electricity went off. And I think it did come back again at some point. <laughs> and so, you know, nothing predictable. And, and to me, what, what came home to me is just the daily strain of that ongoing uncertainty and trying to navigate with your, with your young children as this un, ongoing uncertainty of, of the water and the electricity and to keep them healthy and to not have a parasitic 
bugs, you know, causing them digestive distress and, and just, you know, the vigilance that I think Karen has felt of having to keep her family healthy in that process. Um, I just want to share. So they, they are out for about three to four days with no electricity. And then when it comes on, it's at night, um, 7, 8, 10 o'clock, goes off by 7 or 8 in the morning. Um, so we were out at a restaurant one night, and electricity had been out for quite a while. And Karen got a text from a friend that lives in their neighborhood who let her know, hey, the electricity's on. And... In my mind, I'm thinking, oh, that's great. Like, it would be a relief. But what came over her face was an enormous amount of stress and anxiety, like, immediately at hearing that news because she knew we were out. (laughs) We weren't home. She needed to get back. They had six or seven loads of laundry to do. She only had a certain amount of time to do it in. And then it's, you know, it's go time. And, you know, you're up late um, doing that. And so I could just, it's just hard to imagine that stress, cyclical stress all the time. Um, just trying to survive, like let alone culture (laughs) and all, you know, all the other things that come along with being a missionary, but to have, um, that on top of it and the worry every day of like, okay, have we used up the water in the tank yet? (laughs) Cause you can only fill it when the electricity is on and, you know, so you're always like just squirreling it away, showing it on it. You don't let it run when you're doing dishes. Um, yeah, so that, that just really stuck out to us, that enormous amount of stress and anxiety of just daily living. And this place here is where we stayed, another house from missionaries that were home on furlough for a little while. And uh, all the houses collect off the roofs of the house into a cistern or a tank and then they pump it up there in a tower so they have pressure because they don't always have electricity to to make pressure so that's how they have water pressure and we had a little friends visiting us here want to share that so about 6, 6.30 in the morning I stepped out and and several mornings we saw a bunch of baboons. <laughs> saw little ones too, so okay. And we did some work while we were there too. I'm going to dovetail a little bit on what Jane was speaking about the night that um, the electricity came back on and they were out for supper. During that time, um, Dan and I, for them, threw their generator and they could do things. And as we were working through the day, trying to get everything in place, there was one thing after the other after the other. And that just you know, were roadblocks constantly for us to get the job done swiftly and, and you know, economically. And as we, as we worked through, it came time for the evening meal, and they went out for the evening meal. And Dan and I stayed back and kept working through that. And we were getting closer to being done and we got the call that said they're coming home because we have electricity. Fortunately, we had the main breaker shut off so we didn't know that we had electricity <laughs> and I was thankful for that. <laughs> but to realize that you know we're in a place where electricity is something that isn't, isn't normal and the houses aren't wired like we would wire a house here. So we had to go in the breaker box and rearrange some wires and pull some new wires and we installed a switch that we could then give them main power when they had power, or we switched it over to the generator. Their generator wasn't big enough to run the whole house, but we, we provided enough power through one breaker that we were switching it so then they could run their wash machine, they could pump water, and they had a certain amount of lights and plug-ins in their house, they could do things, and they could also run their freezer all off of their generator. So those are the key things that, that we figured that, and, and with their con, with, you know, conversation with, Fred and Karen, these are the key pieces that they would need to take some of that stress off. Because Karen came home, and she didn't have electricity yet because she, we were still working on it. 
And I think we finished, what, half hour, maybe 45 minutes later than that. We, we had everything done. And, and praise God, it worked flawlessly like we had hoped. <laughs> but, but, but they had that back. And, and I met Karen in the kitchen as I was walking back and forth. So you talk about the stress. Jane talked about that. And it was, she was just covered with it. She put her arms around me. And this happened multiple times at the trip where we would just hug. And hold one another and weep. During one of these times, I asked Karen, what does she want me to tell you? What do you want me to tell the people back home? And her comment was just how hard it is. so they know how to pray. We are committed, she said, to stay here. This is where God wants us. This is where we are. So just pray for us. Pray for perseverance in the tough times. God allowed us to witness and to understand how hard things were. And to get a good feel for it, we would we would leave Friday and Karen's house in the evening and go back to our house. And we would, as we would drive up, we would say, "Well, will we have electricity or not?" Mm-hmm. And most of the time, we did not. You know, and and that was fine. You know, it was we were we were able to sit down and and debrief during that day, kind of what we did, and and, and walk through these things, and just see see what God was doing, and see where he was working in our lives. Um, <clears throat> a couple things I wanted to share and just walk through um, some of those pieces. Uh, the first thing is, when we got there, it was a long trip. You know, we spent way too much time in the airplane, and my butt was way too sore. And, you know, you're, 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 you're nine hours, eight hours, nine hours away from what you used to be, and you're just not sleeping. I know the first three, four days, you know, we maybe got, I maybe got, my wife is a good sleeper. Man, she can sleep through anything. She just, she's just so blessed. And I was getting one to two hours a night, you know, and, and after about three, four days of this, you just, get, you just get weary. So you're laying in bed. It's 2 o'clock in the morning, and you're just laying there. And, and you know, what, what are we doing here, Lord? And, and, and you're just spending time praying and, and talking to God and saying, you know, this, this doesn't make any sense. You know, we're here to serve. And how can we serve if we're exhausted? You know, what is the deal? This, I'm, I'm, I'm confused. And I heard, you know, heard God say, maybe not audibly, but he said, suck it up, you big weenie. <laughs> you know, he said, he said, do you think I'm way too small that I am not going to give you what you need to make your day? Do you think I, I don't know what's going on? You know, and he just he just chastised me to say, "Trust me, just just trust me. I've got this," and and he did. So with that, in our exhaustion, <clears throat> I just told myself, "Okay, I'm here to serve. What is it we need to do?" And it was pretty amazing how God through all of us, everybody giving of their giftedness the things we did and the things we could do, how we could serve the kids, how we could serve Friday and Karen, the things we accomplished and how he gave us wisdom to walk through those things. It's not in us. We don't see those things. We don't necessarily have the right words to say, but God does. He's got this. And he is faithful. So the first thing is to slow down and trust him. The second thing is, no matter how big it is, he has it. It is not ours to hold on to. It is ours to give to him and say, you've got me here. 
Now use me. You've got me here. Now you have to work, Lord, to make all these things happen. And he did. He was so faithful over and over and over again. From the time we left home and Dan had the wrong passport when we got to the airport. And he checked through the gate three minutes before they closed it. You know, from that all the way to the end, when we landed in Sioux Falls a day later than the rest, and Jane was fine, and that was a blessing. We were really glad they held us back because I don't know that it would have been healthy for Jane to have made that trip. So time and time and time again, as we look at how faithful he was, it was very evident, and you could see it, and you could feel it, and you knew it day after day after day. Our lives are still the same. We come home, and we get into back into our routine. But if we stop and we think, and we look back, and that's what God tells us to do, remember, remember how faithful I am, and he is all the time. Yeah. Thank you, Mark. Great. Okay. There, Mark, and sitting up. Okay. That was Roberta and I. That was the day Friday gave us the switch. You can see you sitting on my lap. There's my meter, and, and down down below there is a little switch that Friday found that the electrician had gave him for us to make the power switch so we could just, just away we should go. And Roberta was not understanding how electricity works, so I was walking through her the, the, the simple way to look at electricity. Okay, when we were done helping you much um, at their house doing different things, then we drove back to Nairobi that nine and a half hours, nine hour drive, but in shifts, and just share a few things that we saw, like there was camels walking on the road. I, I was so glad we had a chance to drive that, too, because there was a lot to see, just all kinds of things, animals and people all on the side of the road. Here's some huts some had made out there that they live in. And we got to stop at the equator at Nanyuki. It's right on the equator. We stayed with some uh, a family, a couple in... Uh, Nanyuki, for two nights, he works at the Bible school where uh, Friday teachers are involved with that. And we got to stay there a couple nights, and then we moved on and went to Nairobi. Um, no, from their house, one morning we went on a safari. So this is the van we were in. They can raise the roof up so you can stand and look at the animals as you're going. So here's just a couple of them. There's, we saw all kinds of animals. So, you know, we had one with two little cubs falling be, falling behind too. So it was fun to. I really looked forward to that, and it was. We saw a lot of things: rhinoceros, elephants. Okay, yeah, this is at um, the people in Nanyuki where we stayed for two nights, and a picture with them. So, what else do we have? Whoop. Yep. Okay. So, yeah, I think so that was kind of our, our trip. So you get a good idea of like kind of what we did and, and the order there. But um, something we wanted to share, too, is just kind of what what God did um, in our in us um, to even get there for me was really hard. <laughs> I would see Karen and Friday on Facebook and. Um, I know there was a Sunday we played a video of them. And every time I saw them, I was like, oh, I just want to be there with them <laughs> so bad. Um, but when it came to deciding whether or not to go on this trip, I um, would say the voice of fear and insecurity was uh, louder than the voice of God for me. Um, it was a struggle. I, I don't know why. Africa felt scary. <laughs> it's really not. <laughs> but in my mind, it was very a scary place to go, even though I've traveled a lot. Um, and also, <laughs> just in my insecurity of, oh, yeah, who am I to go on this trip? Um, 
what is, you know, I'm not awesome. <laughs> What's my role? Um, and, but I really, I don't know. Eventually it came around. I think I was talking to Dan on the phone and he was like, gee, it sounds like you're supposed to go. And I was like, okay. <laughs> you really did help with me, Dan. <laughs> um, but, and then, and then just after I finally made the decision, the Lord, you know, just kind of slapped me in the face a few times, how dumb I was of, <laughs> um, wavering on that. But, um, just seeing the Lord work, I think somebody else brought this up on how each of us had a, had a role to play and, um, everyone was important to be there. And um, so I'm just really thankful that. I listened to the Lord, and I went, and I survived. It's okay. <laughs> and if I didn't, it'd be okay, too. <laughs> <laughs> you would work it out. <laughs> it was just um, so incredible and special to be with the Omots. This is my favorite part. It's just Mia climbing all over um, us <laughs> and t- grabbing my hand and saying, you will play the guitar. <laughs> Um, and Judah sleeping on my lap and, and playing games with Malachi and, and just um, being with them. Um, it's just so special. So we just thank you for allowing us, supporting us, um, giving us the time to do this. One of the ways that God convicted my heart was the people over there, the guards at uh, Friday and Karen's, just and helpful and always wanted to uh, welcome you. Every time you came, they were shaking your hands. And when we would go into the market, Karen had had made some great relationships. And some of these were believers, but some of these weren't, and they were very welcoming as well. And so it was just wonderful how people were just constantly, welcome, welcome. And so God really convicted me that I need to step up my game. Um, As he has welcomed us, we are to welcome others. So that was uh, one of the ways God really spoke to me. Um, For me, a lot of the the, um, changes that God was doing in me started before the trip. Um, As part of the GO team, I was designated as the one as the leader leader of the trip <laughs> um, pretty much was just getting what I thought logistically arranging everything um, to be able to go. But through that process, God really taught me a lot about leadership and um, working through relationships and relationships with others on the team. And um, when there's issues, being able to work, work that out and talk through those things and um, so that was a lot, um, a lot that I learned, uh, on this trip as well. And, um, during the trip, there's, <coughs> you saw a bit of it this morning, some things that happened that, uh, um, I don't even understand why yet. And, uh, I'm still waiting for God to reveal that to me. But, uh, the first night at Biblica guest house in Nairobi, um, we took some time this, uh, the second evening to pull out the guitar and just start worshiping. And one of the songs just hit me and I just started weeping. And, and then Jane picked the next song and I just started shaking my head cause I knew it was going to get worse. <laughs> and, and it happened again, uh, later, uh, in our time there, a couple other times. And, I think I shed more salt water during that trip than I have in the past several years. And I don't know why. I don't know what God is trying to tell me, but I, he's trying to tell me something. I just don't know what that is yet. But um, he's always moving and always shaking things up, and it's always for the good. One of the songs we didn't sing this morning, but we sang while we were at Omots was Build Your Kingdom Here. Well, when you read through that and you're singing it here in America, you think, yeah, the United States, you've got to come back. But it was such a different context, living, being in that country and singing, build your kingdom here. 
because it, Islam surrounded us. You heard it, and it just gave you just a totally different perception of what that means is to build the kingdom across the world, even if it seems as insignificant of going just to help someone that's working there to serve. And it was... It, it, that song particularly struck me at the time. Um, the other thing Jane was talking about, trying to convince herself to go, um, the original plan, I was not going to this, going to be part of this, um, because they decided on a certain amount that there was space for and everything. And um, in a nighttime chat with Karen, it was shortly after that, they had been told who was coming. She says, oh, why aren't you coming? What's, what, is it the farm? What is it? And I says, no, it was based on the amount of space there was. And she says, oh, I'm going to do something about that. And I said, no, I don't want, I don't want to rock a boat. She says, well, I like to do that. <laughs> and so that's why I'm sitting here. So we just got two little things to share yet. Um, Roberta was not able to be here today to help with um, presenting, but she sent a little video, and we're going to share that now. Mm -hmm. Hi, Grace Church. My name is Roberta Fultz, and I went on this trip to Kenya. I was Mia and Malachi's guest on this trip, which was an honor and a delight. Um, Really, a lot of what we did on this trip was try to experience life with the Omats and see what it's like for them there. Um, obviously, they had a very different routine while we were there and bringing chaos into their lives. But getting to see their home and their life and their guards and where they live and how they play and how they do school and how they work was was huge. Malachi is six now. He is very into bugs. He likes them better in pictures than in real life. And we made a cake for his birthday. Mia helped me and Judah also helped. Um, and we put dinosaurs and gummy worms on it and had some fun baking adventures and ate a lot of frosting. Um, Mia is four and she is fearless and very tactile. So she was always holding someone's hand, always reaching out to hug or tackle or wrestle. Um, and she, when we went to meet a rhinoceros, it was a little scary to approach the rhinoceros, but she did pet the rhinoceros from sitting on Ron's shoulders. So she got there. She was the only one of the kids. So we're very proud of her. Judah is sweet and very friendly and wraps everyone around his finger immediately. Um, and he is also very helpful. So when we were making the birthday cake for Malachi, Judah walked in and helped with the food coloring. And we didn't even know he was going to be helping us. But he was very supportive and very proud to be part of the process. So they are all growing up just a little bit. It's been a year and a half, you know, since they've been in the States. And it was really wonderful to see them growing. I wanted to thank you guys for including me in this trip. Um, we went there to support the Omats and to see how they live and where they live and what their life looks like. And I feel like I got more out of it than they did. And I feel honored to see the kids growing and be a part of their lives and know how to pray for them more. And ah, this trip was such a blessing. And yeah, thank you for including me. Asante sana. Have a good day. And she wouldn't 
us to just pass on. She's willing to talk to any of you one-on-one whenever she comes down. She comes every once in a while and visits. So uh, one more thing to close. We have a little thank you video from the Omans. Hi, Community Church. She didn't say hi to the Church. Hi, Community Church. She said hi, Community Church. Hey, church family. We are so grateful for you guys. Thank you for sending the team that came out, um, that arrived back with you about a week ago. We were thankful to just be with them, worship with them, uh, and have them see our life and be with us in Marsivir and see other parts of Kenya as well. And that was all due to your prayer support and financial support yes. and sending them and by extension supporting us. So thank you again. We waited to make this video for at least a little bit after they left or else I would have just cried the whole video. Um, but we just are incredibly grateful, incredibly honored, um, and just so thankful. We felt refreshed and encouraged and just blessed by your love. And we welcome you guys back any time. And so thank you. We love you guys. We love miss you. you. We hope you had a great Thanksgiving and are ready to celebrate Jesus. All right. Say Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> and as a team, we want to thank you all for all your support and allowing us to share with you, too, a little bit. Thank you very much. Thank you, Kenya team, so much. And uh, continue to pray for God's work in this team. Uh, one of the unique things... Uh, about this trip, some of you who are newer here don't don't know that the Omots Friday Omot was pastor here for five years, and so very intimately part of our family, and so this trip was very significant in a lot of different ways. And as you heard, God working in their lives and the Thanksgiving and the stories of of how God made a way and how God provided, and and God is still writing the story. Uh, Want to take just a few minutes here to open it up as a congregation uh, to for for testimonies from you all of thanksgiving and maybe just a simple thing of i'm thankful for mom and dad from the kiddos it may be something simple as that as you're thinking here i want to share we had a few of our uh, uh members here who are not able to be with us one uh is our uh alvin and rena dykstra they sent me an email and said would you please share this on sunday morning they're in their 90s and they live in the meadows and they said, we are so thankful to the Lord for leading and guiding us through this eventful year. She had a lot of medical issues uh, that ended up leading to this transition to the meadows. And God gets all the praise. We went through health issues and a move to assisted living in the meadows, knowing our blessed Lord was with us all the way. We are enjoying our new home very much. And we thank you, all of you, the dear people of Grace Community, for your prayers, notes of love and encouragement, for the visits and the gifts. We love you all and pray for each of you every day. May the Lord continue to bless each of us, each of you, as you go about and be a witness for his great love and salvation we have in Jesus. With our gratitude, greetings and best wishes to all, Alvin Arena Dykstra. Tom Johnson and Becky also sent a note saying they're off on retirement, gallivanting across the United States. Life's rough. But they said it's so special that we have church online, that even though they're in Colorado or in Arizona or, or Montana, they're here with us, and they're, they're, they're able to worship with us, and they love being able to be a part of Grace Community from far away. Other testimonies were of Thanksgiving. Yeah, Dave Boss. I'm grateful, Dan. For salt water. Mm. For those of you who know our brother Dave, he, he does leak some salt water as well. For the Lord. Yes, Julie. Um, I guess I, when I heard we have the opportunity to share about Thanksgiving, I, man, I thought, oh, I have to share. <laughs> um, I've been praying for... Uh, for God to increase my faith, you know, ever, 
ever since Calvin died. And, and the way Courtney and Kale have had to handle this. And mm-hmm. I, it's just been a constant prayer of mine that God would increase my faith. And um, just those last few months, I've also prayed that God would increase my faith for healing. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, in the last few months, I don't know why he's blessed me, but I've been healed three times. Um, uh, at the end of the last spring, I my, my wrists were so swollen. Uh, I don't know why. Um, but it, it was a hard school year, lots and lots of work, and I wanted to work in my garden. And um, I just, I've been using God, using scripture to pray uh, things, and God has been so faithful, and my wrists were completely healed. Praise the Lord. And I was able to work in my garden all summer long. <laughs> I was so thankful. And um, another time um, earlier this fall, or maybe late summer, I was, I've been having, I had had shoulder problems a lot, and a lot of pain down my arm. And I was laying in bed, um, and I'm reading my Bible because I couldn't sleep. And and I just told the Lord what uh, one of the people said in the Bible, like, if you are willing, mm-hmm. make me well. And he said, I am willing. Mm-hmm. And it was gone, and it's been gone ever since. And, the yeah, hallelujah. And this last one was, um, I've been having Achilles issues for quite a long time. And um, I'm sorry, I'm kind of hogging the time. But, um, and the other, a couple of weeks ago, I was just lumping like crazy, uh, very painful. And, um, and I, you know, I prayed for healing um, and it didn't happen. And then Monday morning when I was at school trying to hobble up the steps and down the steps, he, I, uh, I just said to the Lord, Lord, according to your loving kindness, and your faithfulness heal me. And he did. Mm. I feel almost guilty mm. that I've gotten healed three times. So, so many people suffer. Um, but I'm just so grateful. Yeah. It was, I'm just yeah. so thankful. Amen. <laughs> Thank you, Julie. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Others, yeah, Jen Kwame. So I'm used to God saving us financially in so many ways. Really? Okay. I'm thankful that God has saved us financially in so many ways in the past. Um, But I've got a good paying job, and I keep on getting these raises, and things are fine. And I just, I don't know if I just stopped depending on God or what it was, but recently we got down much lower than we have been for a long time. And I wasn't sure when my paycheck was coming, because it's not a steady thing. And... uh, I didn't even have a chance to pray. I was driving to one of my visits, and I got a phone call from, I don't remember the name, but somebody from church and um, asked if we needed a Thanksgiving dinner. And I had just been thinking, I don't know what can afford for Thanksgiving if I don't get the paycheck. And so I told him it was awesome. It was a perfect timing miracle. And then I got home, and I found out not only did they give us a ham, they gave us a turkey and all these Sides and a $25 gift certificate Steve to Heidi. Kitch, the... And um, so I was just overwhelmed. And then I opened the mail, and there was a $1,000 check from wow. the state for some tax thing that I've never heard of. <laughs> <sighs> and I was going to deposit in the bank the next day and found out that I had just gotten paid. So it just... I don't know if I felt like God was done with me, but it was just kind of like, yes, even though you're not doing perfectly with your finances, I still got you. And it was just mm. an amazing, wow, triple miracle. Praise the Lord. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, Madeline, all right. Real quick here, real quick. Uh, I'm probably thankful for um, Ellie's getting through all the stuff that has happened to me throughout the years and 
that I at least got to go over here with the Velamas. Even though some of them are a little bit annoying and gets on my ever-loving nerves. Mm. But, though this little child gets on my ever-loving mm. nerves sometimes. Uh, I at least get to go to school, get some new friends, do my drawings for once in a lifetime. Uh, get to read the books I want to. And awesome. at least, um, though I can't see all my biological brothers... I'm not going to have seven siblings, Lord help us all. Uh, at least I'm getting loved mm-hmm. by some caring people, and mm-hmm. pretty sure a lot of the people at church have been praying for me. Mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe. It's true. But I'm thankful for at least for God praying over me and for me being at this church. Oh, Madeline, thank you. That's powerful. <laughs> Foster care is a special ministry. Having a home is a gift. Others, are there any others before we go here? Paul Velma. Well, it's a little difficult for me, but uh, <clears throat> I always think of the ten lepers that didn't return. I think one returned and thank God for the healing. So I'm going to try to consolidate my story, but I've probably been in this church mm, since... less than a year, and a year ago last Thanksgiving, uh, I struggled with my mental health, as interesting as that may sound. I was in an anxious state because of stuff that was going on in my life, and it came to a head a year ago last Thanksgiving. And so a year ago, I would say my wife would say, you're not capable of going to church, even though I wanted to. And so... I've noticed and am very thankful for God's healing throughout the year. Uh, Still a little shady sometimes. I think it's God knocking on me saying, you know what? You can't do this without me. And so it's a reminder that he is always needed and trusting God for me. I thought I understood how to trust God, but right now it's like I can't do it without him. And so you as a church have been... I think this is a pretty cool place, and you are making my new church home feel like a, a, a God gift, okay? So bear with me. I'm not any more abnormal than any of you, but we all have a, we all have a point where we just can't do life, okay? And Amen. I reached that point, and so Amen, I'm, I'm healing, and I guess I'd take your prayers. You bet. What a testimony. Thank you, brother. All right, March. I'm thankful for a lot of things. Um, among them, this church family. Um, you're probably going to think this is weird, but I'm thankful for my cat. It's okay um, to be thankful for your cat. <laughs> She's like a therapy cat to me, and she's like my daughter. And I was told by the vet that she was going into renal failure and had six months to live. And she gave her some treatments, and she was one miserable cat. So I stopped all the treatments and all the medication, and I decided... If she's got six months, I want them to be a happy kitty for those six months. That was a year and a half ago. Mm. And I think God intervened, and she's just a very healthy kitty now. Amen. All right, then. at moments like this I always get emotional (laughs) I am very thankful for my wife Mm. she she really didn't want me to go to Kenya and she knew it would be hard and it was really difficult for her she was basically a single mom for two weeks 
But on top of that, I'm very thankful for everybody here in our church family that helped her out as as much as they could. And I just want to say thank you to everyone that helped her. And and thank you, dear, for letting me go and be a part of that team. There are many more stories to be told, and I encourage you, don't keep these to yourself, but share them with those around you.